on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. 1-1 delivery. Swing and a looping line drive in the right center, but right at Avi Garcia, and this one is over. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field with Jerry Augustine. Here's Matt Foley. A weird night at the ballpark, but a good night for the Brewers because they come up with a 6-1 win. They secure a series victory against the first-place American League Central Chicago White Sox, and they're going to be looking for a series sweep on Sunday Night Baseball tomorrow. Welcome in to Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. I'm Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine alongside. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting into the Accident. Line 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. we got a lot to get to between now and 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll discuss the long delay and the replay challenge and the second replay challenge and the implications of all that. Uh, discuss this series, talk about Rowdy Telez and what he has been doing for this club lately, which has been uh, really important. Just so much to get into. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so uh, by uh, calling in at 855-616-1620. It is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We've got the news in two minutes, and then we really get rolling after that here on WTMJ. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. The opening pitch, Colton Wong to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone for Colton Wong! He took the first one he saw and hit it out of here. How about that one? 6-1 victory for the Brewers over the White Sox. They've taken the first two games of the three-game series, looking for a sweep in front of the nation tomorrow night on Sunday Night Baseball. Welcome in to Brew- or welcome back in, I should say, to Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. I am Matt Pauley, former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine alongside. If you want to join us, you can do so at 855-616-1620. Augie, I'm going to start with this. Jen and I get your opening thoughts, but let's get this out of the way because this is what people want to talk about. And I just... I'm getting a lot of messages. We'll start with uh, Stephanie and Madison's text. Hi there. I'm a bit confused, as I'm sure others are, about what happened in the fifth inning. Why didn't they challenge the runner at home right away? It looked like Burns was ready to pitch and then stop suddenly, and the challenge started. Thanks. Okay, so let's go through this a little bit, because this is as convoluted of a situation as you are ever going to see. And to be perfectly honest with you, there are some aspects of this that I just learned the rules tonight as this was happening. Generally, if you are going to ask for a review, you have a, uh, a specific amount of time. I think I think the rule book says 20 seconds. Uh, that's not really enforced. If you take right. 30 seconds, something yep. like that, they're not going to say no. Um, evidently, the rules state, though, if you have a mound visit at that moment, the the time component of challenging a play is just gone. So then you can basically take as much time as you want just as long as there is not another baseball play. So as long as a pitch is not thrown, as long as a pitching change does not happen, anything like that. I'm guessing the Brewers never even thought that he didn't touch. Like I didn't right. I didn't notice that he didn't touch home plate when it happened. I agree. I agree. Um, so I think, quite honestly, I have a feeling it was probably kind of dumb luck that the Brewers all of a sudden realized that he didn't touch the plate, and that's why so much time passed. And 
clearly a message came in at the very last moment because all of a sudden Corbin Burns is you know throwing the baseball away and he's you know just trying to buy some time and then the challenge comes out. Um, that's the first part of it. The second part of it is the the second time onto the headsets and I'm I'm a little bit perturbed by that because what was going on there was they were checking the rules to see whether or not the Brewers were correct in being able to challenge that play for all the reasons I just now mentioned. That's right. The umpires didn't know. So they went to the replay center to basically get a rules clarification. And Augie, the replay center is not there for rules clarifications. It is upon the umpires to know the rules of the game. I agree with you. I think the one thing you do is when you when you go to the headsets, you go for the challenge or what is being being instructed there to to, to go about what happened in the ball game and him not touching home plate. You go for clarification. I totally agree. That's not why it's why it's there. But I think what happened there there was so much confusion going on with the visit to the mound. And once the visit goes to the mound, time is out. Yeah. And I think that's what initiates that there's no time limit on when you can review because the time the visit to the mound is a separate entity and time is out. And I think that's why the Brewers got more time and you like you said, I think there was just a matter of a little bit of luck seeing that he did not touch home plate. The part where I, I agree with you and I don't know I don't understand is why they would go to the headsets the second time. Right. And when it first happened what confused me was so the way the replay challenges work you don't when the Brewers replay that what they're they're not technically challenging whether or not the runner touched home they're challenging the the result of the play That's now right. clearly generally there is one single thing that happens that you're challenging but you're challenging the overall result of the play so that's why you don't go back to the headsets a second time because the entire play is being looked at in New York all aspects of it so when they went back to it I didn't understand why they were going back to it uh, until we learned that Larusa was trying to argue that it was an illegal challenge by the Brewers because of how long it took for it to happen. I was actually confused, and, and Matt, maybe I don't know if you felt the same way, is the length of time that it took for the first, when they've had the first challenge. Yeah. It was on for a long time, and it, and if you look at the play, it was quite evident that he did not touch home plate. And the length of time that they took just just going through it, and then going back the second time when when Larusa came out and was challenging, and, and I think I think right there Larusa had a legitimate challenge, finding out what was the clarification, asking the umpires. They didn't know, so they go back to get it. But I, I just didn't understand why it took so long the first time. Why weren't they given the instructions at that first time and why didn't the umpires know that the clarification was that you know you cannot what Larusa was asking you 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 do have the that the Brewers did everything that was right and these umpires are human beings I understand that I I didn't know that rule about the sure. uh, about visiting the mound but at the same time that is literally their job. Their job is to know every aspect of the rule book. And while they are humans and while they can maybe get stumped kind of like we are, they're not supposed to. That's the bottom line here. The, the umpires are not supposed to get stumped on a rule the way they were tonight. It is their job to know every single word in the rule book. But I think there's also an aspect there what LaRusso was doing. I think he was trying to freeze a little bit, freeze the pitcher. And yeah. I, you know, he was just wasting time, freeze the pitcher a little bit. But at the same time, did in any way, did Corbin Burns initiate 
an active play, a chain, a starting of a play where before the before the coach came out, did he initiate anything? Because if he did, the, it's it's nullified. It's, done, yeah. it's nullified. So I think. I think he was looking for every aspect to make sure that the rule was right, that the umpires did call it right, and New York called it right. And asking for a new baseball is not a baseball play, evidently. Because <laughs> no, no, no. he did do that. Yes, he did. He did do that. Uh, what, a, what a weird, weird turn of events. And the other side of it is, and I don't have the answer on this. This is another area where I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit stumped on what would have happened. Because the lead runner doesn't touch home plate, the White Sox actually are bailed out a little bit when that ball that Burns throws home is a horrible throw and hits the umpire in the leg and keeps the other runners on base. Because if that ball does not hit the umpire and it rolls away, let's say two more runners come around to score, then what happens when you see that the lead runner doesn't touch home plate, but the next two runners did, are they technically passing that runner? And I'm not, I'm I'm not, I don't have a total grasp of the rules where I don't know if the, I, I think they're all out. I don't think they get sent back to bases. I think they're all out in that situation. You're passing a runner who hasn't that is actively hasn't been called out is uh, trying to score a run. And so if they do pass him, like a uh, a guy who hits a home run and there's a guy in front of me goes past him, that there's an automatic out there. But what a what a chain of events there, and uh, and uh, it really turned out actually very well for the Brewers because Corbin Burns came in and was able to hold the hold the White Sox to one run there. All right, so there's uh, the uh, the umpire here are not allowed to speak about it because they were not the ones who were making uh, the decision. The official word uh, that came from New York reads like this. The umpires on the field came to the headset to verify that an appeal can be made following a mound visit. Per the replay regulations, the next play shall commence when the pitcher is on the rubber preparing to start his delivery and the batter has entered the batter's box unless the defensive team initiates an appeal play, in which case any call made during the play prior to the appeal still may be subject to replay review. No substitutions or pitching changes can take place while the umpires are in the process of invoking replay review. In the case of a mound visit, a manager must exercise his challenge prior to the commitments commencement of the next play unless the mound visit results in a pitching change. The rules check is classified as a crew chief review. Welcome to Clarification of Rules with Matt Polly. All right, we'll talk about baseball. We'll, we'll get into the actual game coming up in just a moment. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Polly on WTMJ. Now the pitch. Swinging and a drive in the left center indeed. Way back. Get up. Get up. Get out of here. Gone. He's hit another one. 6-1. Brewers get the win over the White Sox. Rowdy Telez hitting two home runs. I'm Matt Pauley. That's Jerry Augustine. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting on the Accident Mortgage Talk at text line 855-616-1620. Or you can tweet in the program at Matt Pauley on air. Got a tweet. Stuff like the fifth inning is why Major League Baseball needs to do what the NFL does and explain the review. I don't know if you remember, but a few years back, probably four or five years ago, it was a Bob Nightingale report in USA Today. Mm -hmm. And the report said that after it was midseason, after the All-Star break, that Major League Baseball was going to have the crew chief have a headset on and rule, and the rules were going to be explained. The rulings were going to be explained Mm -hmm. to the crowd. 
that just fizzled out and died. It never happened. I'm sure the umpires union, because they're the umpires union, didn't want to do that. God forbid one of these bumbling, stumbling umpires that can't put three words together probably gets on the, the mic, but it's something that they need to do. I think that the, the yeah. texter or the tweeter is 100% correct. There needs to be, it is, I have always said, baseball needs to make sure that the experience watching the game on TV is not better than the experience watching the game inside the ballpark. And when people watching on TV are more understanding of what's going on, then because like we got that email that That's I right. just read I a few moments ago. I agree. The TV and radio crews got that too, and they could explain that to viewers. People sitting in the ballpark are clueless at that moment, and that's a that's a that's a bad job by Major League Baseball. Well, I think when you look when you really look, I like what the NBA does also because the NBA will look right into the television yeah. and tell you what's going on. Uh, I think the Major League Baseball should do that. Uh, you have your your crew chief. Your crew chief is the guy who is supposed to understand all the rules. Is supposed to get any rule clarification that he would do when the challenge is made. He should be able to come on and just state the rule real quickly, right. so the fans know. I really agree. I think. The people in the stands enjoy the game, understand the game better when they're right there and and they learn something about the game. You know, one thing you want to do about the game of baseball, when people come to the game and why they listen to all the radio shows and all the talk shows and everything that goes on, the play-by-play in, in, on radio and on television, is they want to learn more about the game. And the people in the stands deserve that same thing. I think it would be a great thing for baseball. Text message from uh, Doug. Brewers dominating. This series is not as competitive as people thought. That's okay with me. Looks like Rowdy Telez can hit the American League, but can he hit the National League? Also, when is the last time Hader pitched? Could use a little work. Hader hasn't pitched since last Saturday, so yeah, today clips the uh, one full week of when he was, and he was up in the bullpen a little bit today. I'd like to see him in there as well. I think one area that I disagree with Craig Council, uh, I understand why Council wants to get guys like Hader as much rest as possible, but I do think sometimes a little bit too much time goes by without these guys getting out there and pitching. I think he was going to come in the game tonight until, until Rowdy hit that Rowdy hit the last home run and he came back with Sanchez. I think what he's figuring is that, you know, tomorrow we have the White Sox. It's going to be a big ball game. We could use him back-to-back if he throws a lot of pitches. We may not be able to use him as much, but they have that off day on Monday. And so I, I it's probably guaranteed that we're going to see Josh Hader at least pitch one inning tomorrow. See, in a situation like this where he's already warmed up, I bring him in, and I cap his number, maybe 15, maybe 20. Have have Sanchez up in the bullpen ready to go. If it takes him 20 pitches to get two outs, and he gets the first two outs, and you said, you know what, we're capping him at 20 today to make sure he's fresh tomorrow, that's fine. 15, I don't care. Just... Get get them out there. I think it's really interesting when you go when you get into the pitching mat, and and I experienced that when when I was pitching. There's days when I was in the bullpen and I was the only lefty in the bullpen where I'd warm up a number of days in a row or not get into a game for six or seven days. Mm-hmm. And that first time you get even though you make all the throws you have to do in the bullpen to get ready, and everybody has a different way they get ready to come in the ball game is getting in that ball game and facing live hitters is the most important thing. And I I kind of agree agree with you there in that you get him in limit the number of pitches that he still can be used tomorrow because you do have that off day on Monday so but it's it's just a, how they want to use him 
and and Craig has a a pretty good idea on how he's going to use him and uh, but I think you'll see him tomorrow but at the same time does Josh need those two days in a row if he just throws 10 or 15 pitches on one day and then is able to use the next day with that off day is that how does he react to that I think is very important and I love the amount of for the most part allowing him to have rest that's going to be a really important thing down the stretch but sometimes when you don't pitch for now it's going to be over a week it just feels like to me that's just a that's just a day or two too long like once you get to five six days get him out there get 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 him out there you know i and i and i want to refer back i used to like to i used to like the work back-to-back days yeah I, for me I, I never got so armed so i i was very blessed but i it just seem if i had that five or six days off that first day i you know you're kind of it, it, it's you feel comfortable and you might throw the ball really well but it's facing those hitters it's just feeling getting that that positive flow that the good mindset that you are you are throwing the ball well you can throw the ball where you want and not coming in cold after six days in a big important time just being able to understand and feel that comfort level is very important mention rowdy telez we're going to talk a lot about him coming up in just a moment because he has a big game today and if he continues to play at anywhere near this level does that maybe change any type of thinking going into the trade deadline we'll discuss that in just a moment this is brewers extra innings it's brewers extra innings with matt falling Lined into right, Garcia breaking on it. It's going to drop in front of him. Garcia over there to cut it off. Abreu trying to stretch it into two, and he's going to overslide the bag, and he's out. Oh, Adamas kept the tag on him. He overslid the bag, and Garcia's throw is able to cut down Jose Abreu. All right, so any team can have a bad game. And we, we saw the Brewers have the, the second game of the Royals series when, what, five of the six runs were unearned. Like, That's right. any team can have a bad game. You play 162, you're going to have a clunker here or there. Um, but this was a clunker. This was a big-time clunker for the White Sox. The play you just heard, trying to stretch that single into a double. Um, this, uh, multiple plays not being a bad base running that we've obviously talked about a lot. Um, like this, this, to me, it was surprising how bad bad of a baseball game the Chicago White Sox played today. Yeah, you know you you look at them, you, you, when you think about the White Sox and you look at their statistics you know, you, you, this looks like a pretty good pretty good ball club, especially run by Tony La Russa. If you remember him as a manager, his clubs were always a pretty good, strong defensive ball club when you look at them fundamentally wise, they were always very good, very aggressive on the offensive side of the ball and it just seems like the if the Brewer pitching has been really good. I think anytime you hold a team to two runs in two games and you look at the offensive power that does that Chicago White Sox have. You're doing an outstanding job, but uh, but it just seems like that that I don't. It's just that it, they didn't seem like offensively they're right in sync right mm. now. Now, um, Roddy Tellez has a big game. He hits the two home runs. The first home run he just hit the living you know what out of. Yeah. And, and the second one was a hard hit ball too. Uh, we talked a lot about production at first base and the Brewers. And to me, Rowdy Telez was always a guy, was a stopgap measure while Daniel Vogelback was injured. And that doesn't change the fact that they still need more production at first base. And I'm not, I'm not coming off of that based off a really good game today by Telez. He played, he was fine yesterday as well. With uh, uh, he obviously contributed to the win. But I'll also throw this in there: David Stearns is incredible at making under the radar moves that go play, you know, pay out huge dividends for the team. We nobody expected Willie Adamas to be doing what he's doing. And you're not going to have a Willie Adamas happen very often, but I am I am very 
I, I'm hopeful that Craig Council puts Rowdy Telez in at first base every single day up until the trade deadline because I'm him playing back-to-back days, playing well, getting the opportunity to maybe find some traction at the plate. I'm very curious to see um, what he is going to do moving forward, and I'm not willing to sit here and completely discount the possibility that maybe Telez is just another one of these guys that David Stearns finds. I really like the way he swung the bat tonight. Mm-hmm. I really have liked the way he swung the bat since he's been with the Brewers, actually. I mean, it looks like he has a good idea at the plate. He's patient, takes the ball, hits the ball where it's pitched. You make a mistake on the inner half of the plate down, he puts a good swing on it and drives the ball. The two balls he hit tonight were right on the screws and really did a nice job uh, of having good at solid at-bats. He looks at first base. He looks very comfortable there. Feels the ball very well. I agree with you, and I think that's what Craig is doing. He's going to give him every chance at first base to see what he is. They have to make a decision. There's some decisions that have to be made mm-hmm. by the trading deadline. We all know that Willa Brewers makes some moves. We probably think that the bullpen might be areas that we all talk about they, that they might make some moves because you never have enough enough pitching. But those corner infielders, or you look at Urias, or was what, what way he's been playing defense has just been fantastic, chipping in on the offensive side, but having a guy come in like Rowdy Tellers and do what he's done and the way he's won the bat and the way he's been playing, you got to give him that extended look to see, boy, is he something going to be yeah. something special for you. And there's probably not enough time to get a final, you know, it's a week. We're, yeah. we're less than a week from the de- deadline. Right. Mike in Colorado asked, you know, the Brewers still make a move to improve at first base or is it is it status quo? I would expect that as guy like when Lorenzo Cain is back next week, to me, I think Keston here is probably the guy that goes back down because right now, Hira is essentially your third string first baseman. That's right. Because Jace Peterson can play over at first base. And, you know, Jace has kind of been nudged out recently because Colton Wong is back and you're getting this production from Telez. There's just not a, a space on this rod. You, you don't carry three first basemen, right? Like, That's right. And I know Hira can play other positions and, and Peterson can play other positions. And Telez is really the only guy that's stuck at first base. But there are going to be some tough roster decisions to be made and we're not that far out from Daniel Vogelback being back after that it's going to be Travis Shaw um, maybe uh, and I always say things kind of work themselves out but if this team doesn't experience more injuries before those guys come back at some point in time there's going to be some really tough decisions to be made oh, definitely definitely when you look at it, and that's why I think you you bring in a uh, you bring in a guy like Rowdy Telez and you, you got to put him there to see where he is at he's had some success in the major leagues and he's been able to hit the ball and you saw the way he's hit the ball he hit the ball tonight and in the past put some good swings on the ball but so you're going to give him every opportunity just to see where he is over there I totally agree with you Matt I think that's one thing that you you do. You get someone that comes in under the radar. All of a sudden, he finds himself. He's had success before, and all of a sudden, he comes in. He's getting some big hits for you, and that's they do have a, a, a enough players. And you talk about Keston. Keston is really struggling. You say he's the third third uh, first baseman. That you're probably correct. And you when you look at the guys that can play there, but when you got guys like Vogelback and Shaw coming back along with Lorenzo Kane, that opens the door for some things, and you got to make some very very tough and big decisions. And let's not forget where Telez was playing. He was playing for Toronto, a team without a home. So they started the season That's right. playing games uh, at their spring training complex down in Florida. I think they're in Dunedin, if I remember correctly. Yep. Then they went to Buffalo, That's which right. is their AAA home, yep. um, and they were there. And now they're just now going to get to start going to Toronto because the Canadian government is going to allow teams to cross the border. Um, but that's 
That's not easy. So you look at his numbers in Toronto this year at 209. Um, that, that's not good. But we see you know, Willie Adamas was not comfortable hitting in Tampa Bay. He walks in here. He's very comfortable. I saw today Rowdy Telez talked about how great of a ballpark this is to hit in. I'm not saying he's, gonna, he's the answer at first base, but I'm also saying don't close the door on that idea. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think when you look at the situation from, from uh, Toronto going to Florida and playing the, some of their home games there, then going, to, going into New York and playing some of the games there and then going now being able to go up to Toronto. But it's not only that. It's the makeup of the Toronto ball club. They're a young, aggressive ball, ball club. They've got guys that play first base and are having great years. And he was, didn't get the at-bats maybe that he needed to have to be consistent. And that's something that, that David Stearns, again, along with Matt Arnold, saw something in a guy that could possibly come in and help our ball club. They went out and got him. And I'll tell you what, welcome to Milwaukee. Rody, tell us. 6-1, Brewers get the win over the White Sox. What did manager Craig Council think about tonight's game, the, the, the review and everything that went along with it? We'll hear from him coming up in just a moment here on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. And now Urias is going to put a bunt down in front of home plate. Collins will shed the mask, field it, throws it up the first baseline. It's in the right field. Stopping at third will be Taylor. Sliding into second is Urias, and the Brewers have second and third, and nobody out. 6-1. Brewers pick up the win over the White Sox. They have won the first two of the three-game series tomorrow night. Sunday night baseball. It has been a while since the Brewers have played a Sunday night baseball game, which is really, you would have thought that, uh, what, I guess in 2019 you would have thought that they had some Sunday night games after uh, after what they did in 2018. That didn't happen. Last year they were scheduled for two Sunday night games in the first month of the season, but of course that never happened due to uh, COVID-19 and they ended up not playing one uh, during the stretch of the season. But more on that later. Let's continue to talk about tonight game. Manager Craig Council met with the media just a little while ago, as you might expect. Uh, he opened up his conversation talking about uh, the process of the appeal and the replay and everything that went on uh, there with the uh, with the run coming off the board for the White Sox. Yeah, well, yeah, you, I mean, if if there's a player misses the play, you have to, that's how you have to do it. You have to appeal it first, and then um challenge that he said he touched the play yeah so yeah it was a great job by our our replay guys they they, they just they did a heck of a job um staying with that play you know it was kind of a chaotic play they did a heck you know didn't look like there was anything you know good happening for us there but they did a heck of a job uh getting the information to us really really good how concerned when that second they go in to take another look again, I guess, to check and see whether y'all could whether y'all could do the appeal. How much concern was that when the delays kept going on? Well, no, they the umpires kept kept me informed what was going on. Um, they the the White Sox asked for a rules check, um, but the umpires were were pretty certain or certain that it they had gotten it right. So, you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't really concerned at, at any point, really. Craig, that inning had started so weird for Burns with all that sort of unluckiness. But in the end, you think that sort of worked in his favor because it, that's probably what the mound visit was about, right? Was it just to sort of 
calm his frustration a little bit, and that gave the replay guys time to see that the guy didn't touch the plate? No, that I mean, no, the replay guys, I guess the fact that, the, you know, they went out there, I guess, they, they, they saw it pretty quickly. Um, but you know, we, had to, we had to kind of put the ball back in play to, to initiate it. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, it was a weird inning, the first four hitters, and it was the walk, and then two infield hits and a blooper, really. So, you know, nothing was going our way that inning. Um, and then all the play at the plate was just a strange play all around and that, you know, the Corbin tries to make a play, the play hits the umpire. We, caught, we thought we caught a break there and then we, we really caught a break, right? We were talking about that, Craig, because if that ball doesn't hit the umpire, it rolls back to the backstop and more run scored. Then how would they have untangled all of that? The first guy would still be out and others would be safe. What would have happened if that ball kept going? Uh, you, you can figure that out in your story tomorrow, Tom. My head hurts. <laughs> Don't count on me. Let's count on Adam. Craig, what does it say about Corbin to, you know, he's got to come back from that long layoff, a lot of chaos, crowds confused, um, and sort of continue to put zeros up and, and he did. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, at that point, there's there's one out, bases loaded. Uh, Collins draws the walk, and then, and then he made he strikes out the pinch hitter and, and a tough at-bat and gets a great hitter in Anderson to ground out. Um, and then the following inning as well, I mean, the, the outs of Moncada and um, and Vaughn, who's, who's swinging it really good, um, was, was a, were huge, uh, I, I thought, just to, to kind of clean up the game and clean up that inning and, and put us in a good spot. Um, the rest of the game. So I, I thought the sixth was the was the tough inning for him because of the delay in the fifth. He had to work hard to get through the fifth. He had to go through the heart of their order in the sixth. Um, I thought what he did in the sixth inning was was really impressive. You're muted, Tom. The uh, Rowdy Teles show continued for the second straight night too. You know, you talked the game about wanting to give him some more at bats, and he sure is making the most of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think. He he had four great at bats tonight. I would say it just the um, and that was the hope is that if when Radon Radon's out of there, then there's righties in there, and that we we got a good matchup. But just the first two at bats, you know, just the infield single and hustling to beat in that one, and then and then put the ball in play against with the bases loaded, and you know didn't do much, but he put the ball in play. Tyrone got a great break, and they they didn't you know the the play had to be perfect on their end, and it wasn't, um, but. You know, that that's just a little thing about putting the ball in play where the strikeout in today's game is such a crippler to rallies, and he just put a ball in play, and and, and uh, something good happened for us there. So I, I thought that was, you know, you love the home runs, of course, but against the tough lefty, uh, down in the count, working his way back to 3-2, and then just getting a ball in play, um, that that's a great at-bat to me. Um, really, really good at-bat. 
That's Magic Craig Council speaking earlier. I want to clarify some comments that I made earlier in the show. I had not heard all of that from Council when we opened the show. And just a couple more details on that replay that we didn't hit when we went through the explanation earlier. And one thing that I didn't realize. So I made the comment earlier that the Brewers might have bought some time with the mound visit. And that was what allowed the replay folks to find it. Evidently, that's not true, that they had that right away. But the other side of that is, so you have to you have to appeal at home if you believe that the runner did not touch home. When I, when I say you have to appeal, you have to physically throw the ball home and appeal the play, just like you would do, say, if you think that a runner takes off from third on a potential sacrifice fly earlier, you have to throw the ball over to third, touch the base, and appeal that play. So from a... Uh, from a technical standpoint, you have to actually go through that process of throwing home and challenge. So once the Brewers knew that the runner had not touched home, you can't challenge at that moment. You have to throw the ball home first and appeal. And then once the safe call is made on the appeal, then that's when you're able to challenge the play. So that's also part of the delay. So evidently the Brewers video folks were right on it from the beginning. Um, and again, you had the mound visit. So that extended out some of the time, but that extended time doesn't evidently add to the ability of the Brewers to find it. They had to go through the, and, and it's, not a baseball play when you appeal at home. It's not like throwing a pitch or a pitcher's change or anything like that. So, whew, there you go. Even even more to that to that whole thing, which is uh, there's a lot. There's a lot right there. All right, how did this whole game uh, play out? We'll go through it with the highlights. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Fly ball. This? Deep right. And this? Third deck. Holy smokes. Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Pauley. 6-1 win for the Brewers over the White Sox. Pitching matchup. Corbin Burns going for the crew. Carlos Rodon getting the start for the White Sox. The Brewers, they strike first. First pitch in the bottom of the first inning from Rodon to Colton Wong. The opening pitch. Colton Wong to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone for Colton Wong. He took the first one he saw and hit it out of here. How about that one? Brewers would strike again in the second inning. This time it's Tyrone Taylor leading off the inning. Now the pitch. Swinging and a drive in the left center and deep. Way back! Get up! Get up! Get out of here! Gone! He's hit another one! Yeah, after hitting the Grand Slam yesterday, so Tyrone Taylor makes it a 2-0 game. All the while, Corbin Burns just rolling through the White Sox, does not give up a base hit through the first three innings. In the fourth, he gets uh, Tim Anderson to ground out and Gavin Sheets to fly out. That brings up Jose Abreu. Lined into right, Garcia breaking on it. It's going to drop in front of him. Garcia over there to cut it off. Abreu trying to stretch it into two, and he's going to overslide the bag, and he's out. Oh, Adamas kept the tag on him. He overslid the bag, and Garcia's throw is able to cut down Jose Abreu. Ends the inning, 2-0 going to the bottom of the fourth when the Brewers would double their lead. Tyrone Taylor gets the inning started with a base hit. Next hitter, Luis Urias. And now Urias is going to put a bunt down in front of home plate. 
Collins will shed the mask, field it, throws it up the first baseline. It's in the right field. Stopping at third will be Taylor. Sliding into second is Urias, and the Brewers have second and third, and nobody out. For Rowdy Telez. 3-2 pitch. Bouncing ball. Backhanded by Abreu. They come home with it, and the throw is late. Taylor slid under the tag of Collins. And the Brewers' lead grows to 3 to nothing. They would add on in the inning. Manny Pena would walk after Corbin Burns strikes out and uh, Colton Wong strikes out. Willie Adamas draws a bases-loaded walk. It scores Luis Urias, and it makes it a 4-0 game. Two runs there in the fourth to double their lead. Things go a little haywire in the fifth inning. Johan Mankanda leads the uh, inning off with a base hit. Then Andrew Vaughn gets a single. So runners on at first and second for Brian Goodwin, who also gets a base hit. So the bases are loaded for Larry Garcia. Coming back. Swinging a bouncer out in front of home plate. Picked up and thrown by Burns. Another swinging bunt. And the White Sox are on the board. But not so fast. Mankata didn't touch home plate. So this is where things went a little crazy because there was a mound visit. That took some time. And then you have to appeal at first, or at home, I should say. So they have to appeal at first. There has to be a safe call. And then they put in the challenge. There was about a 15-minute delay. But when all is said and done, uh, Mankata is out at home. Uh, Zach Collins then walks uh, after a long delay. You have to think the Burns uh, was maybe a little bit flustered by the extended delay. Maybe that's what Tony LaRusso was trying to do. But uh, Collins does walk. That scores uh, Andrew Vaughn. That's the first run scoring. Uh, but Burns wants to get out of the inning. Bases remain loaded. He faces off against Jake Berger. And the pitch. He struck him out swinging. Down and away with a slider that time. Big, big strikeout for Corbin Burns. Yeah, absolutely. That's the second out and brings up, still bases loaded, Tim Anderson. And the pitch. Swinging, pop up. Right field, not deep. Avi Garcia is there and Burns gets out of it with no further problem. With his pitch count uh, approaching 100, he was around 90 uh, there in the sixth inning, uh, he's back out. Gavin Sheets would uh, line out after a walk to Jose Abreu. Mancada strikes out, so two outs, one on in the sixth, and Andrew Vaughn at the plate. Burns deals again, swinging on a fly ball into shallow center. Colton Wong has it, and he gets out of it with no further damage. Nicely done by Corbin Burns. That would be his final out that he records. Bottom of the sixth inning, leading off the inning, Rowdy Telez. Another guy who can really bring it. A swing and a drive in the right center deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here for one! So Rowdy Telez ends up hitting a home run in the sixth inning. He just absolutely destroyed it. Uh, went about 108 miles per hour off the bat, and that makes it a 5-1 score. Uh, they're going to the seventh. Brent Suter comes on to pitch for the Brewers in the seventh, puts up a uh, zero in the uh, eighth inning, Actually, and Suter would continue to uh, pitch into the eighth, same thing. Uh, it's a 5-1 game going to the bottom of the eighth inning, and with one out, Rowdy Telez is back at the plate. The pitch. Swinging and a drive in the center. Warning track, and this one's going to get off the wall and gone. Rowdy 
just hit one out of here that hit or just cleared the top of the wall in dead center. Makes it a 6-1 game. That would be the final score. Miguel Sanchez would throw the ninth inning, and the Brewers would come up with the victory. With the win, the Brewers go to 58-41, while the White Sox, they drop to 58-40. Winning totals for the Brewers, six runs, six hits, no errors. They leave six for the White Sox. One run, six hits, three errors, and uh, they end up leaving five. Winning pitcher Corbin Burns, he is 6-4. The loss to Carlos Rodon, he drops to 8-4. Uh, Home runs in the game, Colton Wong his 8th, Tyrone Taylor his ninth, and Roddy Telez hitting his 5th and 6th, his 1st and 2nd with the Brewers. Game lasting 3 hours and 10 minutes, played in front of a sellout crowd of 41,686 folks. Brewers looking for a series sweep of the American League Central leading White Sox. We'll preview the series finale. We'll also give you some scores from around baseball. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Brewers get the win over the White Sox. Final score today, 6-1 to one, as the Brewers have taken the first two of the three-game set. A quick text message from Jerry in the Dells who says, How great is manager Craig Council with the media? Never antagonistic, always thoughtful and intelligent. Glad he is our manager. He is a perfect fit. I agree with that 100%. Every once in a while, like I saw a tweet actually earlier today, I just happened to see something where somebody made the comment that, you know, about Craig Council not liking doing media. I think he enjoys it in, in a way. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But I think, you know, to me, it always feels like kind of the, the back and forth, the give and take, the questions, the uh, the thoughtfulness uh, of some of the things. Now, it's a grind. As a Major League Baseball manager, you talk to the media twice a day. You talk to them before the game and you talk to them after a game. Uh the leaders in other sports that don't have to talk to the media as much as baseball managers do. And yeah, I think Council does a great job with it, and I don't think he hates doing it either, which is uh, which is something that's helpful for everybody because uh, it gives you as a fan uh, that much more information about uh, about what's going on. All right, here's what uh, took place around the National League Central. I'm surprised by this one. I really thought the Cardinals were going to come out of this weekend in second place in the NL Central. I thought they were going to have success against Cincinnati. That has not happened. Reds win again tonight, 5-3. They've taken the first two games of that series. Credit Cincinnati uh, for what they've done. The uh, Pirates right now lead the Giants 6-2 top of the eighth inning and the Cubs today lose to the Diamondbacks by a 7-3 score so uh, right now the Brewers remain really in control of the National League Central they lead the Reds by 6.5 the Cardinals have fallen 9 back Cubs 10 back and the Pirates they are now 20 games back of first place Sunday night baseball coming up tomorrow. This is going to be fun. First Sunday night game in a very, very long time as uh, the Brewers will wrap up the series against the White Sox looking for a series sweep of the Southsiders. It's going to be Brandon Woodruff who gets to start for the crew. Right-hander 7-4, 2.04 ERA. Lance Lynn will go for the White Sox. The righty is 9-3 with a 1.94 ERA. 6.08 first pitch. Coverage begins at 5.35. I'll talk to you before the game with Brewers warm-up at 5 o'clock, and then I will talk to you after the game with Brewers Extra Innings right here on WTMJ.